Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to Pivotal Conversations. I'm Jeff Kelly, and in this week's episode, Dormain and I chat with Jeff Dickey, Chief Information Officer at Redapt, a consultancy that helps enterprises modernize their data centers and application infrastructure. Jeff Dormain and I talk about the challenges of managing both legacy infrastructure and newer modern platforms, recognizing that there is no easy button for digital transformation, how to get business and IT buy-in, and much more. Enjoy. So, so we, we were talking before, um, first of all, I like the description, like you use terms like spider web of technical debt requirement and outcomes. Um, but you also, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, this sounds like a reinvent the wheel problem. And then like 30 seconds later, you actually said reinvent the wheel. And so I was like, okay, I now know I'm on the same page with this man. Um, and so I wanted to kind of see like from your perspective, you know, you're, you're an integrator who's, who's worked a lot in the OpenStack ecosystem, in the VMware ecosystem. And now as, you know, enterprises are looking at Kubernetes, what, where are these kind of, what are you seeing in terms of the, the reinventing of the wheel tendencies that are playing out? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I feel like like we've been reinventing the wheel ever since we, we've started this down this cloud journey. Um, it seems like, you know, kind of going back a few years ago and, and with the launch of, of when, all, when all the public clouds uh, finally launched, uh, we, we, were, we were in this phase of trying to compete with the public clouds. And we were trying to build private clouds that could compete with these different public clouds and use cases. And this is kind of back in the day when you know, before, the, the, before Amazon did their massive price uh, cut that kind of really changed changed the industry because we had a lot of ROI tools that said, hey, if, if we could take a hundred thousand dollar Amazon spend and make a make a, a private cloud version that's way more cost effective and you could put it wherever you want in the world. Um, and then that kind of got flipped upside down. But the you know we're we're constantly trying to uh, compete and change the way you know our technology drives our business. And it kind of stems from uh, I think going back to you know the the VMware footprint that that we all have in our our data centers, uh, a lot of this disruption and and again kind of trying to reinvent the wheel is we we've been as an industry trying to reinvent what VMware is to us because I think the perceived cost of VMware I think it's easy to look at any technology and say oh that's really expensive uh, at first glance but not really understanding what it means to your business and how how many things like enterprise software kind of takes on for your business. Um, you know, it's it just kind of been this never ending process of, hey, you know, we're, we're, we want public cloud, but we want open source and we want to, you know, it's only, it, we're always looking at cost and we're always looking at kind of that time frame. And it becomes a real struggle. We've, we've seen this so many times with in, in building these clouds for customers and kind of warning about, hey, don't go down this hole or, you know, let's let's focus on this. Um, you get into these greenfield clouds and I don't think anyone really appreciates how much is involved in like global production uh, or, you know, even types like SaaS workload or cloud style management. Uh, the, 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 the pieces and the tools that go into this. 
the months and months and months of, of planning and implementation and how many vendors, or I wouldn't say vendors, let's say how many different pieces of software it takes to go in and, and build this. And, you know, kind of stems again, kind of, you know, kind of going back to that, that VMware thing, how many vendors have we been, have we gone through? Um, you know, we, we were early on in, in the cloud.com days uh, building, I think we built the largest private cloud in the, in the world at the time was cloud.com, which was CloudStack and Citrix bought them. And that was going to be kind of this, you know, VMware alternative because VMware owns the market and we're still looking for ways to disrupt that piece. Um, and I think it kind of all, what, what I love so much and kind of why I'm in this current space or why we're talking this podcast now is I think there's been a lot of, or let's say billions of dollars have been spent in trying to reinvent the wheel. And you look at all the money that, that, that went into OpenStack and went into um, uh, the investment or the VC side of companies and the acquisitions and the, you know, money has gone to so many, so many places and we're still kind of at, you know, where we were nine years ago, 10 years ago in that space. And while the disruptors were very active in disrupting and with the kind of greenfield do-it-yourself, we're in this interesting space where, you know, companies like like Pivotal have, have been able to exist and companies like VMware have been able to say, we... we you know, we could sit back and let this disruption happen and then do it right, do it the way we think it should be done. Um, you know, fast forward the, 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 uh, this whole kind of history lesson, and now we're in a kind of Kubernetes-led world um, where everyone wants this container-type management in, in some form or, or another. And I think a lot of people don't realize what's under the hood and pivotal and, and you know, but everyone has Kubernetes on their mind. Right. Um, you know, it's, we're in this really awesome position to use new cutting edge technologies and do it right without ripping and replacing uh, what currently runs our business. And I think that's, you know, as a, as a, as a consultant and as a, as someone who does a lot of consulting engagements and, you know, we've got, we've got a, you know, a hundred consultants that do these cloud engagements. Like we, as a business, we love doing greenfield clouds. It's a, it's a great, it's a great business, but you know, in the end, it, is it the right thing for the business? Um, and that's, that's interesting to look at, especially through the, te- the, the lens of technologists. Like as technologists, we we always want to do what's what's right. Like what's the what's what what is the best way we can build this and we can do this, um, especially that the technology purists have have really kind of come up and and are very outspoken in the industry. Um, like this is how you do it. This is it should be done this way. Um, and it's it's tough to to do that when, or I should say, it's easy easy said. Um, how do you go about building something perfect when most environment like we don't have the luxury in in big in big companies to just go do something from scratch? Um, we have technical debt and um, lots and lots of business requirements that dictate how we have to run and operate our technology, um, and then couple that with the the kind of the human capital tech, technical debt where um, we a lot of us don't have the knowledge or skills needed um, to to kind of push forward um, 
I know I'm kind of rambling on. I'll, I'll try to take a break in a second. But um, you know, I, I talk a lot in in the cloud. When when people ask me about you know, hey, moving to cloud and it's going to be easier and we're going to do this, and I'm like, well, you know, you got to think of of cloud and multi cloud. The math is different. It's not you know one plus one is two. It's one plus one equals three. You, you're you're going to have your on prem that's running your business. You're going to have your cloud infrastructure that's running uh, part of your business and critical apps and growing apps. And then you may introduce another cloud. Either way, you're, you're managing multiple sets. You have to manage them separately and you have to manage them together. So that's three. Um, and, and that's the complexity of the, of the world we live in today. And it's, you know, it's not getting any easier. It's only going to get more complex each day we go down. So you know what, what? You know what? What is the the right way? Is 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 starting over and doing a greenfield cloud the the best way to run cloud native apps and just kind of forget about the rest of your your business's applications? Or you know, do we leverage what's working now and leverage the the best technologies that are that are coming out and that are being adopted currently and make them both work in a harmonious fashion that that has enterprise support. Um, so sorry for the long answer. That. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's the, there's, there's, you know, 10 to 20 years of history that we got to cover quickly before we can talk about anything, you know, today. So um, I'm, I'm, I understand being guilty of providing a lot of uh, historical context. Um, in, in ancient Rome, just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you mentioned before kind of talking about speaking of like kind of the meeting enterprise requirements, you talk about the boring components, right? Like monitoring and DR and all these things that every time you build up a new, you know, quote unquote cloud, you, you're kind of referring to them as the greenfield clouds. Every single one of those, you have to think about this long list of boring components um, that, that get dragged along every single time. Um, so Yeah. I don't know if you want to expand on that a little bit, but it just, it, it, to me, kind of illustrated what what the cost of reinvest, reinventing the wheel um, amounts to. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's getting down into the plumbing, which is really not the, it's it's the least fun part of, of technology, right? Is is kind of doing some of the, the, the maintenance style work. You know, we like building, we like creating stuff, um, you know, getting into that kind of, managing and monitoring, you know, that becomes a little, a little too tedious for a lot of the technologists. Um, and, and what we see too is, you know, a lot of folks will put effort, you know, we're good at putting all the tools together to do um, the, the monitoring and the management piece. And, you know, you're, you're, you're working with the log files and you're putting this all together. Um, but what happens is most applications or most things that are being built or even the cloud native apps, nothing's fully independent. I mean, we have some, there's some gaming companies we've done where it's, you know, the, the whole entire app is independent of everything else. And, but in, in the enterprise and a lot of the, the, the Fortune 1000, 2000 customers, they're doing cloud native apps as an extension of some of their uh, legacy apps. They're, they're, they're refactoring, they're doing some other things, but there's going to be some business processes that, that, Right. will interface with these cloud native apps that are running Kubernetes or on this, this greenfield environment. And then we see a lot of snags because we're seeing issues. Well, okay, so you didn't think about how the plumbing between the two environments are going to work because that's another, that's, that's incredibly complex when, you know, it's like, well, we, you know, this, this division uses Splunk and this operations uh, for, for this data, data center uses these different things and we're not set up to watch 
what you're doing. And now, okay, well, we're not going to pay for that extra thing on your side. So just export your logs to us. And then that becomes another issue. Um, And again, it's not fun stuff. It's not building. Um, So there's a lot of issues that kind of come, come into play um, when you're doing that. Plus you're, you're, you're integrating a lot of technologies that in an afterthought, are, are really not fun because now it's being forced upon you instead of instead of you getting to pick out uh, how your stack looks. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of sort of the the argument around, you know, some folks are trying to they're they're trying to innovate at the edges, and um, you know have some a few bright and shiny projects that you know probably make some executive really proud and able to showcase like look what we did. Um, but then there's this big Death Star in in the middle that if you don't figure out what you're going to do with that death star which is probably kind of represents some some big back-end monolith or esb or something that is yeah creating this huge integration headache even when you're trying to innovate at the edges something is going to talk back into that system at some point so there's all this ugliness under the covers and it's you know, even even launching one of those, which as ugly as as that integration is, it's still like you're not even having the real impact on the business, even after dealing with all of that, because all you've done to kind of use the Death Star analogy is you've shot down like a TIE fighter by launching like some shiny mobile app. Like you you still you're trying to get anything done anywhere else in your business is still like completely at risk because there's this Death Star staring at it. Um, so it's, uh, this is when I, I go really deep on my star Wars analogies. Um, and, and then people are kind of like, were we talking about software or are we on Tatooine somewhere? Um, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a familiar tale. And then, you know, it ties into kind of my next question, which is around the notion of the easy button and how like folks really, really want. And it's usually like that some some bright and shiny technology comes along that folks are like, ah, oh, this is the easy button we've been waiting for. And it's like, well, no, there is no easy button. Like, um, and there's a lot of different areas where like this is the work that must be done. And, you know, when we were chatting before, you were talking about kind of like how setting up is the easy part. Um, but getting the business side to move legacy apps over uh, onto whatever new platform you've even built, whether it's a greenfield cloud or whatever, that's now getting into the hard stuff. And so I wanted to see if you could expand a little bit on what some of that some of that hard stuff is, and especially what you're seeing today as folks are trying to containerize, um, you know, their applications more, and what the resistance that you see in terms of, you know, you can set up a container platform, but that doesn't mean the horses will come. Um, I'm now mixing in like a horse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'd be, you know, I guess kind of watch out for the easy button. And I guess, I guess, you know, for folks listening is, you know, I guess be leery of, of the, when, when, I guess when we come to you and say, Oh, this, this is going to be easy. Uh, this is, this is the easy thing to do. And we're going to digitally transform your business. And it's, Let's do this. This is easy. Let's uh, let's move to Kubernetes. Um, it, every anything, especially real change, is is hard. Um, I, I think 
from what I've seen in the cloud space in the last nine years, the easiest part of cloud is the technology. The hardest part is getting people to use it, is getting the business of IT to adopt cloud. Um, the reason we had so much shadow IT, um, you know, shadow IT was a very big problem in a lot of the Fortune companies because that was the easiest way for uh, devs and teams and, and business units to actually get uh, stuff done. Um, they could they could launch an app um, and and get everything working, and they didn't have to go through procurement or IT or you know. There's still still a lot of folks that take a couple of weeks to get VMs uh, at at a lot of companies. So you know this was easy. It was easier to do, um, but but now you're looking at well, what does that mean for the business? Um, now we have lots of, <laughs> uh, we have our IP kind of across the board. We have uh, different apps kind of going from public cloud back into data sets um, behind firewalls or uh, at the company, um, you know, it's kind of that fragmented IT. Um, and the other, the other big easy thing we see is the, the lift and shift uh, mindset. Like it, it is, it is probably the easiest way to get to cloud, but it, it, it isn't cloud. If we're gonna move a bunch of your VMs from one place to another, um, you know, your it's a financial model has changed, but again, now if if we come in and we do a lift and shift and take take a a, a bunch of your already virtualized machines and move half your business to, to public cloud, we, we've actually created a lot of complexities for the business to operate in in multiple locations now, and uh, you know now there's so, so many more things to think about. Well, okay, what about data replication and and you know are we are we going to pull um, uh, direct connections from this this uh, company's office into GCP or into AWS. Um, you know, there's there's so much thought that has to go into that. So the things that that sound easy, I think, in the end, become very com complex. Um, and I think, oh, God, yes, go ahead. Well, I want to say too, you know, just about about you know, you're talking about the Death Star and, and going going back. It, it what what we're seeing every day is is the the easiest things to migrate to to cloud or or to move to cloud native are are usually brand new apps um, or kind of the we call the low hanging fruit apps the apps are like okay there there's there's not a lot of services that are connected to many things like we can go through and look at everything and 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 move things off but the in, the the very complex uh, systems are the ones really that drive the most revenue at these at these companies, and you know it's it's. I'm still shocked at how many mainframes I see um, uh, at 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 customers, and you know I mean 30, 40, 50, and you know these are like brand new big uh, mainframes. Um, it, it becomes very difficult to uh, to move <laughs> to move <laughs> stuff like that, right? I mean it can be done definitely, but it's like at, at what cost? And what's best for the business? Um, one one story um, I, I can tell, you know, we, we were asked to kind of do some some um, uh, modernization of some apps, and it connected to this backend system that was kind of old. Um, I don't know if, if if you guys are familiar with with uh, like deck systems. Um, they're 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 running chips. They're, they're alpha chips, which were were used a lot in the '90s. Um, so you can imagine how old this system is, and the system runs trillions of dollars through it. So, you know, who wants to take on the risk of of going through and modernizing these applications that haven't been touched since the '90s, um, 
and that run trillions of dollars through. I mean, who like who <laughs> who wants to take on that risk of of doing that? And you know, so that they can modernize and so that these can be more cloud native. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of that too in the business where there's there's just not there's no silver silver bullet for this. Um, we have a lot of different types of apps in in you know business right now and they're on this continuum of you know we're we need to constantly evolve our apps and and move them forward but it's it's going to take a lot to you know i guess refactor most of these enterprise companies and move them um and i think the biggest competition to doing this is the um is the tooling and 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 picking out products i think so many people are opinionated on what they want to use and how they want to look and the, and the and the architecture we're seeing different business units do different things and i think it stifles innovation for the company honestly because the longer you are trying to figure out platform and what to do and how to do it the the the, the further behind you are of your competition who's already made the decision to to go forward and and to you know, they have their platform, they're moving ahead. It doesn't work for everything. They know that it's going to set them in a, in, a, in, a, in the right direction with the right focus to deploy the apps they need to make their business work and to be disruptive to their disruptors. So, so then how do you think about convincing folks to let go of some of their strongly held opinions about what technology should be used and just get started? I mean, how do you, how do you move, move, how do you get through that gridlock? The million dollar question, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, that is that is. I, I think I think there needs to be more playgrounds for folks. I think I think in um, there's a lot of us that like to tinker, but where should we be tinkering? Right there, you know, we want to keep our skills sharp. We want to do stuff. But yeah, hey, maybe I I, I want to you know I really enjoy deploying different apps with Kubernetes on different clouds and um, you know. It, that's that's great and i need to keep my skills sharp but the, my opinion is my opinion best for what the company's direction is in 10 years from now when i'm not going to be there because um, a lot of these architecture decisions are made by people that aren't going to be there in the next year or two um, and are going somewhere else so um you know had <laughs> you know it should be kind of a, a committee but not too big of a committee um, that does this. Uh, we've we've been talking about that for about five or six years. About you know you you, it's great that you've got some sort of cloud org, and you have this cloud team that's going out and evangelizing to your other groups, and and you know you're going through the system to get everyone in this direction. But most companies don't have the right people on in their their cloud group or that cloud org. You've really got to go beyond technology and get folks on this that are from different groups, different disciplines, um, have different stake, st um, uh, kind of stake or ownerships in different parts of the business to have a committee around these decisions that you're, you're making. Cause these are, these are long-term plays, right? Um, especially platforming. And um, there, there should be, I, I guess, kind of, you know, some sort of voting way or, <laughs> you know, how you get that. And that way too, is when you're looking back, um, I think a lot of technology decisions, like when we go try to, to unravel uh, different things in cloud work, it's really hard to find out why a direction like, okay, why'd you take, why'd you go down this path? 
what was right. the reason behind this? It doesn't really make sense. And, you know, we, we don't know. A lot of that's not documented, um, the, the reasons why you choose these things. And I think it's getting really important, too, because we'll walk into some, especially companies that are like maybe under 10 years old. And you're looking at their portfolio of, of software they're using. Most of it's not documented because you have no idea, you know, who's using what. And, and some of the open source software is so easy to use and um, it's, it's, it's so readily available, right? Back in the day, you couldn't implement anything unless you bought it. That was, it was just, that's it, right? I mean, if you want WebSphere or, you know, you, 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 weren't, you weren't running things in production unless a lot of people got together, talked about it, purchased it, <laughs> and implemented it. Um, and so we're, there's a paper trail and a decision. You can kind of figure out where that, where that went. You know, and, and now you get into kind of weird uh, issues with using so many pieces of software where, you know, again, in technology, we're not sticking around at, at jobs too long, and we're moving at a at a pace that's very disruptive to businesses. The the, the rate at which we're uh, technology is moving. Um, you know, you look at the kind of the, the the credit bureau hack. Well, you know, that was an exploit in open source software of something that's like really like who who's going to maintain that or who's who's on the hook for patching that one piece of software that most people probably in operations didn't even know they were running that. Um, and then, uh, and again, again I, I'm a big fan of open source. I'm just, I just get, I, I like, I like people to just be, you know, come, come to view open source in production as your own software. Like once you're putting multiple open source packages together, that's yours. You own it. You've, you've made proprietary software out of your, you know, 20 open source packages and you, you've got to maintain that you, you as a company have to maintain that. Um, and I feel very strongly about, you know, you have to, if you're going to go down that route, it's a great route to go down, but I don't think businesses fully understand what it takes to operationalize and run that long-term um, just because of the frequency of change. And that gets down into like, well, what, like, <laughs> do we, you know, it swings back and forth, right? I mean, we're in this cloud swing, just like, just like we came off the mainframes uh, back in the day. You know, our, we've we've swung towards open source because it's easy to acquire, but in the end, you know, it, the free it's the free model. Like, the, really, is, do you want free running your business? Do you want do you, do you want that free lunch? Do you want you know, like um, it's got the conference mentality and, and, and again, nothing against anyone that loves the swag, but I, I just, I don't want a free t-shirt. I, I want to buy my own shirt that I like. And uh, I, you know, I, it, it's, it kind of gets into that mentality of, uh, you know, what's best for you, what's best for your business. Um, just because it's, it's the easy, the readily accessible one may not be the right choice. Um, and again, you're, you're, you're making your own, your own kind of proprietary tech mm -hmm. out of open source. Right. And you're, you're spending that time putting it together, cobbling it together, creating this platform, this environment, and that's one part of it. But then, all right, now you've got it up and running and now you've got to maintain it. And the day two challenges, yep. which for whatever reason, I think, as you mentioned, not a lot of companies or not enough companies think about that part of it. 
because when you start thinking about that and, and the the resources it's going to take, financial, manpower, and otherwise, it's not free anymore at all. No, no. And you you look at uh, you know, it's kind of talking about the op the, the OpenStack um, stuff. You know, it's, I I love I still love OpenStack, but I'm still very critical of of OpenStack, and I've I've been. You know, when I, when I did the podcast, I always asked every guest, like, is OpenStack too open? Like, that was my biggest thing. It's like, it should you should have a some sort of closed ring around the basics of OpenStack. The core OpenStack should be very opinionated. And then do whatever you want as you go around the rings. Um, and I think that's ultimately what 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 has, you know, kind of led to the demise of OpenStack is the, the openness. Mm. But how many millions of dollars were spent on getting OpenStack to work? At these companies, we got paid a lot, you know, to do it. There's a lot of companies been paid a lot of money, um, and you know, again, we we just had one of probably the largest OpenStack footprints uh, come to us and ask us to manage it because they're they're just like, hey, we don't we we can't do this anymore. So again, no, you know, no diss on my my OpenStack friends because um, again, I I. I I love the community. OpenStack community is one of the best best communities out there. Smart, smart people. But you get into this this issue where how do you you know how how do we make these big bets uh, for our companies uh, on these technologies when the future the future of stability and support are uh, uh, can be an issue. Um, and again, you know, I guess this kind of rolls back into the why I'm so excited about Pivotal PKS um, and why we're, we're doing a big push internally to get, um, to get uh, our consultants um, trained on, on Pivotal as well, especially on the, the, the .NET side, um, because I see great opportunity for um, the, the, I guess there's, there's kind of a, a saying in enterprise computing, right? One throat to choke. Like who who do you go to? Who's who's going to support and be that single throat to choke on so many of these technology issues that we have? I mean, we're we're because we're doing multi cloud now. I mean, you know, we've we're we're, we're working with. I mean, not just not just APM stuff, but uh, SD WAN, and we've got uh, we've got cloud storage and on prem storage, and we've got the synchronization of that and 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 dedicated circuits and um, monitoring and management pieces that will only do one or the other or not all three or not everything you need. So you have to pick two or three different vendors to kind of look at, at everything that's going on. So, you know, I think that this, there's this great opportunity right now that I, that I see, whereas look, you, you have to keep looking at open source and open source is what's, is what's keeping us, our industry innovative and keeping um, all the big tech companies, keeping them on their toes and, and innovating too. But like how how much of the business can we run on that? Um, you know, I think that eighty twenty rule works perfectly on so many things. Where you know, I think the core business, you know, let's let's put that on a proven platform. Um, let's pay to play. If we're gonna if we're going to be in the Indy five hundred race, like we're gonna want you know some <laughs> you know. Ferrari style uh, uh, mods on our Formula One car. We don't want to build our own car out of Amazon parts. So, you know, there's going to be 
there's going to be that need and then keep 20% of your business on cutting edge and some bleeding edge technologies and keep everyone sharp, keep everyone on their toes for the new, the new technology. But the thing, the things that just need to run and do business as usual and keep making money for the business that that should be on a, a single supported platform that your operations folks know that, that you're going to be able to hire new people that run it and that know it. Um, and then you're not, you're not going to be held, held hostage by, you know, cutting edge um, decisions. Yeah. I mean, this is almost like, it, it reminds me of a sort of decision criteria that I think, I think we actually just published a paper co-written by uh, Josh McKenty and, and Ulrich Coleman. Oh yeah. That they, I kind of moderated a, a webinar with them earlier this year and they referred to it as like the Burkholz accordion or something, but it was basically this kind of notion of, you know, there's, there's actual standards and de facto standards. Um, and then there's kind of this community layer. And then on top of that, there's like just total crazy bleeding edge. And really part of the message was you got to be actually really careful around that community layer, because if you don't, you know, like you might see a community forming around something and, and sort of, jump on that assuming okay this is going it's this is going to float down into the de facto standard land but if it doesn't then you kind of have to treat it as the same sort of one-off you would have to apply if it was some kind of totally crazy industry specific bleeding edge technology that's effectively like you said you're you're treating it as your own proprietary software at that point like if this is a community of one, would you still want to use that technology? And that one being you. Um, and then if that's still the case, then sure, go ahead and adopt it. Um, but if it's sort of something that you're counting on someone else being there to help you, then you should you should look really carefully um, at whether you know there's the vendor there to work with, or um, or maybe it's something that if if the community evaporated, what would you be doing? Cause you're now, you don't have this as part of your legacy. Yeah. yeah. So that 80, 20 kind of, you know, uh, it sort of, it, it fits really well with that, that model. I wanted to go back and kind of poke a little bit at something you were saying earlier around, you know, these, um, you know, kind of the, the folks navigating the easy button and, and figuring out how to, uh, migrate legacy workloads onto the cloud. I'm, I'm just curious, like, where have you seen this done well? Like, we've we've heard some great kind of sort of disaster anecdotes, but I also like to hear of, you know, when when does it work? What kind of things did people do that seemed to actually lead them to making good decisions and maybe even erase some technical debt? Sometimes, if it's if it's done right, I mean, it, it depends on on what the company strategy is. So if, if they have some, if there's a pretty large footprint of, let's say some aging uh, gear, they've got servers and maybe they've got some large sands and some other things that are, that are aging, moving them, doing a lift and shift and moving them to public cloud, that does give them more flexibility and more, I guess it, it takes away all of the, typical IT infrastructure chains that kind of keep you from really doing what you want or need like to do. Um, well, let's say, okay, hey, we, we, want to, we want to deploy uh, another app 
here, but we're out of storage. <laughs> you know, there's that's a that's a big thing in in enterprise IT where okay, so we can't add any more shelves to this massive Hitachi unit. Um, we're going to have to buy a whole new one. Well, and guess what? It's not just one Hitachi. Well, that needs to be backed up as well. Any any business critical data that you're you're going to connect a whole bunch of servers to your your storage device. Well, okay, that's just production storage. So do you have enough backup storage or or nearline to service that as well? So okay, well now you're out of sans ports uh, on your switches. So now you got to upgrade that. And it, it tends, I mentioned there's probably a lot of IT people listening going, yeah, like, okay, it, you need one thing, right? Really all you need is one, this one thing, but it turns into this like logistics nightmare because like everything needs to be upgraded. Everything has to be added to it. Well, you're removing all that in public cloud. It's just, oh, I just need another EBS volume, right? Like, like everything becomes a, a service. It's, it's, cl- it's true cloud on the service layer, your apps aren't cloud. Like your your whole environment is not cloud. Like because we we moved your VMs with these you know these Windows workloads, they're not fully automated. Um, we can't we can't do what cloud promises to your environment. But we've gotten rid of of the typical IT technology yeah. uh, restraints. Um, and that can help. So that can help. And they can say, hey, okay, let's grow this out. And we can start modernizing applications on some, some cloud native environments. Um, and that's more of a, of a journey, right? So there, there is a happy ending to that. But, you know, it's, it's expensive. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, it's, it's time consuming. Um, you, you, you still need to do a lot of business side consulting too with these companies to say, okay, well, here's... Thing, things are changing with how we, you deliver IT because we've moved all this stuff. Like here's here's how things happen. Here's how chargebacks going to work now. Um, it, it becomes it becomes a little bit difficult. Um, where we see the the best uh, change and modernization pieces is when we take folks on kind of our our uh, through our, our technology maturity model, um, and that's where we're going through and and looking at. Uh, all, all like a lot of pieces of, of the, uh, what they're doing as far as delivery, integration, um, uh, automation, um, even down into their on-prem hardware and services. And we'll say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll grade them on our maturity from zero to five. And what's interesting is that everything can be better. No matter, even if they just started a whole CIC process, you know, last year, you, you can always improve that. And, you know, taking this small approach, but wide, like, has been the most successful. Because I think a lot of folks come in, and especially in our industry, you know, in Redapps industry, will we'll come in, they'll say, hey, we want a huge consulting project. Let's let's do this. Let's move you. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start here. Give us these five apps. We're going to refactor them. We're going to make them. We'll, we're going to federate them across every cloud. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And it is. And it works well. But we've left a lot behind. So we've moved these apps. Well, we've just put more of a gap between your <laughs> legacy apps and your cloud native apps. Um, but if we can go in and look at the entire, like a, a lot of the business as far as technology goes and say, hey, what, what's, how can we get you to be better at that? 
that can be better at provisioning, that can be better at monitoring, that can be better at the continuous integration, that can be better at um, you know even delivering uh, faster VMs, or that can be better at at um, uh, you know de- delivering uh, tools to the developers. How do we how do we make it better? but take the whole business on that journey of, of upgrading. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like you kind of advocate for this sort of, you know, raise the tide to raise all the boats as opposed to let's make a couple of these boats into like whatever those really fast jet speed boats are called. I don't know. They go like 300 miles an hour on yeah. the water, which I don't understand, but apparently Oh yeah. The, the hydro, hydrofoils. We, yeah, did, yeah. we did that here in Seattle on that Lake Washington. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, um, knew, I knew you'd know something about those. Um, yeah. Well, and, and, and you're, exa- you're exactly right. I think that's a great analogy because a lot of times too, you, you can take a company and say, Hey, great. Let's, we're, we're going to build you cloud native apps. We're going to build the CIC process for you. We're going to, we're going to move you, uh, you know, all this is going to deploy on GCP. And then what you've done too, as a, as a business is you've, puts so a big buffer in between you know today's apps and and then yesterday's uh engineers and now you're 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 kind of you're creating more silos in your company you're creating silos in departments who runs this um you know i don't not every developer wants to you know work on uh patching 15 year old systems right um or 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 writing, you know, security updates for these legacy systems. They may want to be doing some some cooler uh, uh, coding projects. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is it's interesting. I mean, this is definitely in the like the folks who like to. I don't know. There's some Twitter flame wars out there against the whole, you know, mode one, mode two, IT, and you know how that's a, a failed approach because of exactly what you've articulated. Now, on the other hand, I do have to say. That one of my one of my my secrets that I talk about is like having the focus and knowing which apps are going to land mm-hmm. on the platform first, um, which I still stand by that, just based on what I've heard from customers um, and users who kind of if you just sort of expect to paintbrush it around, you're not going to really do the work you need to take apart that that one boat mm-hmm. and hydrofoil it. But maybe there's some merit to kind of actually doing both. And from an infrastructure perspective, your focus should be on raising the tide for everyone. And from an application perspective, your focus should be picking a couple, but also having a plan for how you're going to roll this across all the boats over time. Is that fair? Otherwise, we'd have to just agree to disagree. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And, I mean, companies, like, you don't you don't need Kubernetes inside your VMware environment to be making some radical changes. I mean, even even containerizing your existing infrastructure there's still there's still a lot to be said i mean you're not getting you know 100% of what true you know container cloud native application infrastructure is going to give you with, as far as the automation but you are moving it forward you're moving your apps and your your legacy infrastructure forward because you there's, you certainly can do automation um, with your container infrastructure not at the app level, obviously, but you're you're mm-hmm. still able to to gain the benefits of why people are so excited about uh, you know Kubernetes and and, and containers, um, and we've seen a lot of that. We've 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 went into this this gaming company had a um, they almost had like a retro game hit, and they were getting millions of users uh, because some of their end of life game became popular again. 
And they're like, hey, we, <laughs> these are like Windows machines from 10 years ago. We don't know what to do. We can't scale them. Um, mm -hmm. And so we had our consultants go in. We put these, you know, what are they, 20 gig Windows machines in containers. But we were able to do some automation around that and scale the game out to, to millions and millions of users around the world um, with, with end-of-life code. Like, there was no one there that knew uh, really anything about this game <laughs> at the company. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, you know, you, you can extend uh, the life of the maps and you can, you can move things forward. And again, you don't have to have everything, not, not everything has to be a redeploy um, or a rebuild, which is, which is, again, why I'm really excited about what we've been doing with uh, PKS and Pivotal, because it's, it, you know, with Pivotal, I think everyone knows this, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's never going to replatform the entire business. It's not meant to. It's, it's supposed to replatform a, a major portion of your business that it works for. Um, like, like, we're not going to replatform the, uh, the mainframes, right? <laughs> you know? And the, there, there's, there's things like that that will never, will never change. But there's also uh, on the, the, the VMware side and the, and the legacy footprint of some apps that you don't really, you know, for, for whatever reason, you may not want to rewrite that app or replatform that application. You just need, you just need, it just needs a little, little, you know, 2018 bump um, into the future. And so by containerizing that and, and you know, with all the automation of PKS uh, between the two, I mean, that, that, that does reach almost the whole, the whole business yeah. um, and, and moving the business forward and those things. And again, you have that, that single throat to choke on everything. Um, and guess what? Like there's so much room. There's, we're, we're doing so much. All, every, every company is, is doing so much and has so many different divisions. And, you know, there's a lot going on where, Again, certain projects aren't going to fall into that. They're not going to fall into PKS or Pivotal. And great, like there's so many open source tools and platforms, or even you know, and and obviously on public cloud or on prem uh, to do so many fantastic uh, cool projects. So this kind of brings us to a great place to to focus folks who might be listening on like what should they be doing now? Um, I like the kind of the notion of hey, this is a way something like PKS is a way to look at like raising the tide for like stuff broadly in the organization. Um, and you mentioned before, in terms of timing, you know, like the, the, the competitive cost you incur um, with spending a lot of time trying to make one decision um, and, and kind of the, the, the real cost of some of these debates, internal technology debates. So, you know, how do, what do you recommend folks are doing now and how do you recommend people kind of, navigate that in order to make a decision and move forward sure so uh, i'm very opinionated on this <laughs> very very opinionated um you know pks is the first thing that i've seen that the enterprise it's like a, it's like a, a jet pack for the enterprise by leveraging pks and m migrating uh, uh vms into management under pks gives companies like basically at par functionality with public clouds. I think it's the first time we've seen it's like, it, it, you know, PKS is, is not a, a difficult install. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a snap in uh, into, into vSphere. Um, 
you know, and again, it, everything's easy to install. Like, I, I don't want to say like, this is easy to operationalize. Like you, you know, you want to put that, that's what we're here for to help operationalize it. But, you know, getting that install is, 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 it's, it's just really outrageous how easy it is to put this in place and to be on par, like, you know, take your VMware environment and be like, oh, we, we have basically cloud functionality. Like this works with GCP and uh, I can, <laughs> I can uh, have all these, these, these similar features. Um, my, my kind of call to action is, is if, if you do not have PKS running in your uh, test dev uh, environment right now, I really think you're behind. I think that the companies that, that are already kicking the tires and using this and, and, and doing some migrations over into their test dev environments and that are putting plans together to roll this out into production are, are way ahead of everyone else. Because, um, you know, I think there's, there's debate on, on the, you know, when and where to put this into production. Um, but, you know, it doesn't need to be in production right now. You really need to be testing it. You need to have it in your environment. You need to have your developers looking at this and give them access to it so that you can run, roll this into production uh, the right way. And uh, again, it's, it's, it's the jetpack. Like you, you, are, you are now, you have an environment that's going to give you so much functionality and make, uh, please, all of your uh, business units and developers. Because again, they... The, the developer side of the house, they want Kubernetes, they want these containers. They don't care who, what label is on it, who, what brand it is, where it lives. Like they just don't care. They just, you know, give them access to a cluster and they're happy. And from the operational side, uh, folks, they're, they're listening to this. It's like, I mean, you're gonna be heroes. Like you're, you're gonna, it's the best of both worlds because I think for the first time, uh, especially on the, on the VMware side, uh, the VMware folks, we we get the control and the manageability and the visibility to everything that our different business units and developers want to do. We maintain that control, and the 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 developer side of the house and and all the developer teams are going to be ecstatic to have that. Yeah, I, you make a really interesting point because I think we often focus. I mean, we here at Pivotal, right? We we focus a lot, I think, sometimes on how great something like PKS is for running in production because it's designed for all these day two operational scenarios. But I think you, you bring up this interesting point of, you know, even if you're not ready for that, you should take the steps today to at least make your, your dev environment, something that can start to mimic a production environment early so that you're ready for that, pulling that trigger. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to hear that case. Uh, so I, I like it. And I think that's a great place to, to leave folks. So um, where can folks kind of uh, follow you or, or kind of learn more about uh, what uh, ReadApp does today and with uh, Kubernetes and, and PKS? Sure. So um, I've got, I've got blog posts uh, on readapp.com. You can read. Uh, we have, a domain called Kubernetes on VMware.com, which is a good starting spot. Uh, we've got some content there around PKS. Uh, I am uh, at Jeff Dickey on Twitter. Um, not super active there, but you can contact me there. 
Thanks so much for joining us, Jeff. Yeah, thank you for having me. Great.